Whoa there, Velma, whoa! There she is, Thunderbird Mesa, home of the legendary Thunderbird. That's a mighty big rock. Of course. If you're a giant flying creature and want to keep your nest safe, you'll want to find the tallest, steepest place to live. Of course, it won't keep us from getting to it. I've come this far, and I'm not leaving without my trophy. Trophy? What are you talking about, Bailey? You're kidding, right? Come on, Artie. I didn't drag this shotgun all the way through the Badlands to shoot rabbits. I'm gonna bag me this bird. But you can't do that. The Thunderbird is an endangered species. The people of these lands have worked hard to keep it safe here. It has great cultural and ecological importance. Oh, well, that changes everything. Thanks for telling me, Laura. I'll be sure to put that on the plaque in the museum. Not if I stop you. Cool it, girls. Even if we were here to bag this bird, there's no way for us to get to it. It's way too steep and high to get to. Oh, didn't I mention? I brought rock climbing gear, too. We'll be fine. Yeah, because we won't be using it. Look, I get that you love your animals, but when you're in the big game game like I am, you learn that everything out there that runs, swims, and flies is just another challenge to be overcome. Um, girls? You're just a big bully. These creatures are special. Don't tell me you believe in all that magical garbage about them making it rain and zapping horned snakes with their lightning eyes. Girls, it looks like a thunderstorm. Yes, yes, we know what the legends say, Artie. Like I said, it... No, there's a big thunderstorm coming straight towards us. Run! Peace! Oh, my! Ride! We need to find shelter! Don't go that way. We need to keep to the high ground. Maybe we'll find a cave. There, I see one. Follow me! There aren't any bears in here, are there? I think we're all right. Whew, that's a lot of rain. Yeah. Guess we won't see the Thunderbird today. Well, maybe we did. Knock it off, Bailey. So, what do we do while we wait for the rain to stop? We can listen to a program on my radio. You have a radio? A hunter never leaks home up here. Well, okay. It's not like we have much of a choice. Hey, kids. What are you up to today? Hi, Mr. Jacobs. Laura's just showing us her new book. It's not mine, Bailey. I just checked it out of the library. Well, let's see. Oh, the official collection of mythological creatures. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah, I've learned about a lot of them in history class. It's crazy what people come up with. I mean, look at this stuff from ancient Greece. <laughs> it's amazing what the human imagination can come up with, isn't it, Artie? Imagination is right. Take a look at this section about mermaids. It turns out there are these animals called dugongs that sailors thought were half fish, half human. I don't know about you, but this looks like a manatee, not a fish lady. I think I'm with Bailey on that one. These guys don't even have hair. They have whiskers. That's kind of like hair. Great. So bald and has whiskers. Definitely a beautiful fish lady. Well, I don't know about mermaids, but some of these things look like they could be real. I mean, how do we know that there aren't giant sea serpents and squids down in the depths of the ocean? Besides the fact that no one has seen them for forever? Doesn't mean they don't exist. <laughs> it is fun to think about, isn't it? More like terrifying. I don't want there to be giant squids that can eat boats. Well, good point. But you've got to admit, Laura, it is at least interesting. That's why I borrowed the book. What I don't understand is why a lot of these creatures are inside churches. Wait, what? 
Look at the notes under the pictures. This picture is from a church, and this one is from a church, and this one is from a church, and this one is from a church, and that's weird. Do Christians really believe in these creatures, Mr. Jacobs? That's a good question, and there are a few reasons why we find pictures of fanciful creatures in churches. For one thing, many churches have been trusted throughout history to keep great works of art safe. Not all of this art is about God or other real things, but they still are important parts of history, and churches do their best to take care of them for the world. So kind of like a museum or a library. Right. Secondly, both God and the church have used pictures of strange animals to explain things. Explain things? Like what? Well, Artie, in Daniel chapter 7 and Revelation 13, God uses mythological animals to explain what kings and kingdoms will be like. Likewise, when the church talks about fantasy creatures, they usually are using them to explain something about God. Like? Take the griffin, for example. It's a mixture of a lion and an eagle, two very different creatures made into one. This was a way the church used to explain that Jesus was not just a man or just God. He was both. That kind of works. It's not the most perfect way to explain it, but you got to give them credit for trying. Yeah, I want to see what the book says about that. Well, while you do, I'm going to listen to the radio. All of this learning is giving me a headache. Sounds like a good idea. Mr. Jacobs, can I ask you about something? Well, that's why I'm here. Is everything okay, Laura? Well, I was looking at my library book about legendary creatures from around the world, and I found this page. Let's see. Hmm. Giants. Those were very popular in stories. What's the problem? It's just this whole book is about things that we know never really were around. Fairies, trolls, goblins, those are all made up. But if giants are in this book, then that would mean that they weren't real either. And if they aren't real, then why does the Bible tell stories about people who fought giants and were afraid of giants? I see. Well, I'd first point out that when the Bible talks about giants, it's usually not talking about monsters the size of houses. Goliath was a big guy, but the Bible tells us that he was only about nine feet tall, which isn't exactly Paul Bunyan. Who? Okay, but that's still really big, Mr. Jacobs. Is that even possible, though, scientifically? Technically it is, Artie. But you know, even though there are scientific questions about how he got that tall, I still believe it, because that's what God says. But I think that's what Laura was asking, Mr. Jacobs. The Bible has all sorts of strange things in it, like miracles, giants, angels, dragons, and monsters. Sure, if God says it happened that way, then who are we to argue? But how do we know that God is real? Aren't there all kinds of legends about all sorts of gods out there? How do we know that the one we believe in is real and the others aren't? Way to take a simple question to the deep end there, Bailey. Sorry. Well, don't be sorry, Bailey. That's a very important question for us to be able to answer. If we're going to trust in God, then we need to know why we do and be able to tell others. Like it says in 1 Peter 3.15. So what is the answer? Yeah, how do we prove God is real? Isn't it more of a faith thing? You know, you can't prove it, you just believe it? No, Artie. There's actually a much easier way to know God is real. I might have a script about it. I'll be right back. And now, from the garage of Lionel Jacobs comes the mysterious drama, The Great Court Case, an adapted biblical teaching about testimonies. This court is now in session. I'm the judge, and I'll be presiding over the case. Now then, what's this all about here? 
Your Honor, it is my intention to prove that this man, Robin Lalo, did steal the Purple Lynx diamond. You'll never put me behind bars. You've got no proof. Quiet. There will be order in this courtroom. All right. Bring forward your first witness, Officer Bunting. All right. I call myself to the stand. Yourself? Why, yes, Your Honor. I was there at the scene of the crime. You mean you saw it happen? Well, no, but I talked to a lot of people who did, and they all said it was him. I see. And where are those people now? Uh, probably at home, sir. So what you're saying is that you aren't a witness of the things that happened? No, but maybe my next witness will be able to prove that Mr. Lalo is our man. Mr. Lark? Hello. And what do you have to do with the robbery? I work at the museum where the Purple Lynx diamond was on display. I see. Go on. Well, I was cleaning up the bathrooms when I heard the alarm. I ran out to see what was going on, and I saw the guards running around. They said someone was robbing the museum. I found out later that it was that guy, Mr. Layla. But you didn't see him do it? Um, no. <sighs> Can I get a witness? Is there anyone who saw it happen? I did. You? you? Mom? Mom? You see, my son wasn't working alone. He wasn't? He knew it wasn't a one-man job, and I would do anything to see him succeed in life, so we pulled off the perfect heist. We stole the Purple Links. In fact, I have it here. <gasps> now, that's what I call a witness. Case closed. The moral is, when God tells us to be his witnesses, he doesn't mean that he wants us to tell stories about what we've heard about him or what others have said about him. He wants us to tell our stories and what we have seen him do. A story might be interesting, if it's one you've heard. But when we actually see God working in our lives, we can know that he really is there and that he is always with us. More orange juice, guys? I'll take some, Mr. Jacobs. All right, Artie. Laura? I'm good. Bailey? Thanks. Not to be completely predictable, Mr. Jacobs, but I do have a question about the script in the court case. All right, what's that? Well, first off, that's not how court cases work. I know I watch TV. Oh, okay, fair enough. And the question? Well, you kind of said that the way we know God is real is the fact that we see him doing things in our lives. But like what, exactly? I guess that would be important to the point, wouldn't it? There are a lot of things that God does in our lives. But the first thing I'd say is when we believe in him, he changes our lives. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. What kinds of change? It can look different for everyone, Laura. But the chapter is specifically talking about how we will start to see the world the way God does and want to help others to learn about him. But this change isn't a one-time thing. Philippians 1.6 tells us that God keeps working on us as we live for him, making us more like him, teaching us, talking to us, and helping us through all of our life's problems. And if all of that's happening, it's pretty easy to know that he's really real. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. If God wasn't real, then a lot of good things wouldn't happen. I don't think any of them would, Bailey. You know what I mean, Artie. You know, when I brought this book about fantasy creatures to the garage, I wasn't expecting to learn quite this much. It's Mr. Jacob's garage. Of course you're gonna learn something. Or at least have something to think about. Well, I hope it all made sense. We talked about a lot today, and I could go on for hours more. Yeah, I could too, but I'm pretty sure I need to be heading home. Chores and homework, you know the drill. Me too. Thanks for letting us hang out, Mr. Jacobs. My pleasure, Laura. 
Want to turn off the radio before you go? I'll get it. Thanks, Artie. 